At the beginning of the summer, I saw the sermon series on social media, the best, greatest sermon ever. And I instantly had to click and watch and see what Luke had to, had to say. I'm like, that's a lot of pressure, bro. And then he picked up the phone and called me and said, hey, will you preach in July? And I'm like, uh, are we in this same series? He says, yeah. And I'm like, oh, man, that's the greatest sermon ever. Like, the pressure is on this morning. But how many of y'all know uh, that the greatest sermon ever was already preached? How many of y'all know we don't have to do it ourselves because he has already done it for us? And so I'm very grateful uh, to be with you all this morning as we talk about the words of Jesus and what Jesus came and what he brought. Y'all know that when he stepped on the scene, he, ch- he literally changed everything. People thought everything was going to be one way, and when he stepped in, it all changed just like that. So join me this morning in Matthew chapter 6. We're going to continue in the series. I want to read this passage to you as we get started. It says this, beware of practicing. Luke, thank you for not giving me like one of those really hard texts, you know. When he said it was Matthew 6, it's the sermon, uh, and and it's the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Forgive us our trespasses. We forgive those who have trespassed against us. Deliver us not from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Right, you've heard it a million times. So thank you, Luke, for not giving me Revelation chapter 21. (laughs) He says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order... To be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. And when you pray, this is in verse 5 and 6, it says, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. But truly I say to you, they have already received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father, who sees you in secret, will reward you. Let's pray this morning as we get started. Dear Jesus, please help us to not be hypocrites. Amen. Amen. Um, When I uh, was in the third grade, I went on a family uh, or a school field trip. And uh, the school field trip, we went down the street to this restaurant, and this restaurant let us go in and make our own lunch. Sounds like a novel idea. Let's pay you for us to make our own food. And we go in, and we're in third grade. We make everything, and there was a big mess afterwards. And not only did we have to make our own food, we had to clean up our own mess. That sounds a lot like being at home to me, but uh, it was a field trip nonetheless. And I'll never forget, at the end... Uh, I saw a vacuum cleaner over in the corner, and I decided to go and grab the vacuum cleaner and begin to do what I never did at home, begin vacuuming. And as I was vacuuming, I'll never forget, my third grade teacher stood in front of the whole class and said, ladies, ladies, listen up. That man right there, that's the kind of man you want to marry. I was more embarrassed than I had ever been in my entire life. And what I didn't realize in that time was that something would click inside of me right then and there that would travel with me for the rest of my life. And that was the ladies like men who know how to do some chores. And it was an impression upon me about if I'm going to find a beautiful woman in my life, If I'm going to find somebody to hold my hand and walk by my side, then there are going to be some things that I'm going to have to do. And so the only problem was that by the time you got to high school, what you realize is the ladies aren't looking for marriage material, right? 
That was my excuse for why I didn't have any girlfriends growing up. But um, when you go to a Christian college, all right, I know we're here at Sam, but uh, let me just tell you a little bit about a Christian college. When you walk onto the, the campus of a Christian college, let me just tell you, it's ring by spring or your money back. I didn't get my money back, um, but I did find the best thing that has ever happened to me. And um, I will tell you, I didn't come by it honestly, though, because in third grade, I learned a lesson, remember? That is, if you want to impress, you're going to have to do some things, even if that's not even what you really do. And so I'll never forget going to the girls' dorms and hanging out and realizing that quite often there were a lot of things that they were looking for some strapping, young, strong, well, okay, at least half of it, men to help them do. Move furniture, hang a picture on their new dorm wall, whatever it would be. So I found myself hanging out just to get noticed by helping the ladies in the dorm. And sure enough, there she came, and here I am. Nine and a half years later, I stand. Their only problem was this. If it took an impression to capture someone's attention, then the question is, what am I going to have to do in order to hold on to that? What am I going to have to do to keep it up? So six days into marriage, when she says, hey, honey, the dishes are dirty in the sink. And I look at her and I say, huh? And she says, wait, 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 wait. Are you the guy that I met outside of the dorm who was ready to hang pictures, move for, are, are you that guy? Because that's the guy that I met. We've all been there. We, we know what I'm talking about. You see, Jesus brought this up. Jesus says the exact same thing. He says, don't get caught doing things in order to be seen by other people. Because if you do, what you're going to realize is sometimes what happens in private doesn't always happen in public. And the heart of what Jesus is getting at in this passage is he talks about giving. In the same verses, he almost says the exact same thing in three different ways. I'll summarize it here. He says, give in secret, not to be seen by others. He says, pray in secret, so as not to be seen by others. He says, fast. Yeah, fast. Don't run fast. No, no, no. I can't do that. It means no food. Like, don't eat. He says, fast. He says, when you do these things. In other words, Jesus doesn't step on the scene and say, I'm going to teach you something you've never done before. He says, I'm going to teach you how to do something you've already seen and you've already heard about. Which is why whether you came in here this morning and this is your first time in church, or whether you've been in church since a little kid, here's the reality. When we bring up prayer, giving, and fasting, there's something for every single one of us. And what Jesus is saying is, you've seen it done this way, but I'm about to change the way you see it. But in order to change the way you see it, we're going to have to change something that's going on deep inside of here. Because if you want something different than what you've already got, you're going to have to try it a different way. And so if you came in this morning and you're like, I I've been praying, but I, I just don't know why. I it doesn't feel like they're getting answered. I go to church and I hear about people who have miracles in their life and things happen to them. And I pray and I pray and, and just nothing's changing. Then guess what? This is for you. If you're someone who has a situation in your life where you're not really sure what to do or how to go about it, then this is for you. In fact, what Jesus has to say is even for the kids and the teenagers. What was funny is I was preparing this message as a youth pastor. I often have to do things to engage youth culture. Right? We often do things um, in order to fit in. 
And as a 32-year-old man, I now have to find ways to fit in with 16-year-olds. It was hard enough in high school. (laughs) Try it again. And so what I realized is that we often change what we say or what we do or what we buy or what we wear in order to fit in with a certain group of people. Uh, I'll never forget third grade, man. I'm just now realizing that both of these stories are about third grade, but it must have been a rough year for me, okay? Um, Still recovering. In third grade, I had a friend. He lived down the street. He came over, and he was visiting. We were playing basketball in in my driveway, and and I'll never forget. He said a word I had never heard before. Yeah, okay, I can't say it here. Um, And uh, I I asked him, what was that? And he said, oh, well, that's a cuss word. And I said, do you all say curse in Texas? Curse word? A cuss word? Yeah, whatever. I'm, I'm from Kansas City, okay? We say cuss words up there. I mean, I mean, we, yeah, that's how we phrase it. Is what I mean. <laughs> what I mean. Um, and so here, here's what I, I'll never forget. I'm standing in my driveway in third grade. Anna, you can't laugh that hard, okay? In third grade, I'm standing in my driveway, and he goes, don't worry. I will teach you. And so I'll never forget, he would give me a cuss word, and then he would say, I need you to say this ten times. And so I'm standing in the driveway, Mom, okay, okay, and say it ten times. And he would teach me another word, and I would say it ten times. But can I just be honest with you, something about it didn't feel right. I may have been seven years old, but something inside of me, a radar went off that said, he's trying to get me to be somebody that I'm not. And what we realize is, as simple as it sounds, as much as this could sound like a message to seven-year-olds, I realized it's as true today as it was then. That we have people in a culture, in a world, that is constantly getting us to be like them. And Jesus says, you can't do that. You see, in essence, Jesus is giving us a choice. He says, don't do it before others. You have an option You can do it in order to be seen by the world, and there you will receive your reward. Or you can do it for him. Thankfully, um, I realized quite quickly that that was not the life I was going to live. I get an email every week, like I said, working with teenagers. I get an email every week that teaches me all the words that youth use these days. Because we didn't do this. I'm not old, but we didn't do this when I was young. Um, They get to make up their own words. And they don't just make them up with their friends. Like, they make up words and they get put in the dictionary now. Like they, and, and so I get this email every week that tells me new words like bussin', okay? No parents, uh, grandparents. We're not talking about getting on the bus and getting busted to school. Like, no, they make up their own words just because they can. And what I realize is that the language, the culture in which we live in is constantly trying to tell us if we change the way we speak, we'll fit in somewhere. If we change the kind of things that we'll buy, come on, Instagram and social media and YouTube ads are killing me. My wardrobe is full of things I would have never bought. My house, my house is full of stuff that I never would have thought that I, why? Because it's targeting me. We live in a world that constantly says, if you'll be like me, I have something to offer you. And what we fail to realize is that the reward that we get from being like the world is all we get. And when Jesus steps on the scene, he says, if you have the ability to do something no one else is doing, to go into the secret place and change what you're doing, you're going to get some results that are different. We have to check our motive. We have to check our motive. 
Um, I want to read a story to you this morning out of Joshua chapter 2. In Joshua chapter 2, you're like, this has, what does this have to do with the Sermon on the Mount? Jesus wasn't even here yet. In Joshua chapter 2, we find the story of a woman who had done some things in secret that had brought a lot of great shame into her life. But she made a decision to do something when no one else was watching that actually radically changed her future. In Joshua chapter 2, we read the story of a woman named Rahab. Like all of us, she has the choice. I can do my life. I can live my life in such a way so as to be noticed by people, or I can live my life as a servant of Jesus. And here's what we find in Joshua 2 verse 1. And Joshua, the son of Nun, sent two men secretly from Shittim as spies, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. And they went and came into the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab and lodged there. And it was told to the king of Jericho, Behold, men of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land. Then the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who entered your house, for they have come to search out of all the land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. And she said, True, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. And when the gate was about to be closed at dark, the men went out. And I do not know where the men went. Pursue them quickly, for you will in fact overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hid them with the stalks of flax that she had laid in order of the roof. So the men pursued after them on the way to the Jordan as far as the fords. And the gate was shut as soon as the pursuers had gone out. But before the men lay down, she came up to them on the roof and she said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land. And that the fear of you has fallen upon us, my people. And that all the inhabitants of the land will melt away before you. Here's the story. Rahab is living in her own land, minding her own business. And two spies of the people of God in Joshua chapter 2. Let me give you some background on this passage. Moses had just left the scene and Joshua had just stepped up and he is now taking the reins. And I find it so intriguing that as they're about to conquer and and step into the promised land, he makes it a point to go back to a story about something that happened in the very beginning. And in Joshua chapter 2, two spies go into the land to see what lay out before them. And as they did, the two spies took up residence in a woman's house named Rahab. Doesn't fail to mention in the story that Rahab had a secret. I, I don't know about you, but we all have secrets. We all have things in our life that we fear that if somebody found out, it would completely ruin us. Rahab, a prostitute. In fact, many theologians and scholars believe she actually had a brothel. That This wasn't just her. This was, this was a whole deal going on. And the men of God take up residence there and they hide out. And I think it's so interesting that this passage of Scripture shows us that Rahab's greatest secret, the things that happened in the secret, they brought it up. They said she was a prostitute. But did you notice in the passage that it didn't linger there? It didn't make any moral judgments on her life. It didn't talk about her lifestyle. It didn't say all the things that she had done. But it moved right along to something that happened thereafter, which was the fact that in the secret, in the hidden place, 
she noticed that God was on the move. A God that wasn't even her God at the time. A God who something was stirring in the land around her. She could sense it on her own so that when these spies came for residence, she said, come here. And she guarded them and protected them in secret, in the quiet of her home where they could not be found. And it's so interesting to me that her secrets used to be the place of her greatest shame. And it became the thing that her secret, the, the thing that she hid away, became the place of her greatest strength. Because these spies would go on and, and go back to their people. And the people of Israel would come into the land and take over Jericho. But do you know who was saved the day that the Israelites stepped onto the scene? Rahab and her entire family. Put, her, put yourself in her shoes for just a moment. The king shows up on your front door and says, I know that there are spies hidden in your house. Not to mention the fact that she's lowest of low in society as it is. If at any point in time she could rise up and say, this is my moment, this is my chance, fame could come my way. In fact, it could have been quite the opposite. The king could have had her killed right there just to search her home. But instead, in the secret, in the quiet, hidden place, she made a choice. She made a choice to do something in private that no one else could see. And in the end, it became public. You see, what happened to her in private became public. The reality is this. Secrets are ultimately will all be exposed in our life. What we all have to come to terms with is, and I know and I realize that in this room right now, there could be people who have secrets in your past that you're deathly afraid of somebody finding out. That if they found out, if they knew who I was, if they knew what I had done, it would ruin me. And the reality is this, our secrets have the opportunity to either make us or break us. And in that moment, here's what she did. Her past secrets were destined to break her. But she made the choice in that moment to say, my future secrets don't have to. You see, I can do something I've never done before, but it didn't start in public. It started in the private of her own home. Her family was saved. You know what else happens? There's very few women we read of from the Old Testament that show up in the New Testament. Rahab begat so-and-so. Begat so-and-so, begat so-and-so, begat so-and-so. You know the part of your Bible you skip over? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about, heathens. I mean, uh, begat so-and-so, begat so-and-so, begat Jesus. The greatest sermon ever preached started before Jesus even showed up on the scene. And it didn't show up in public. See, Jesus didn't come riding in saying, I'm king, here we go. In the private places, he prayed in the garden. But he wasn't the only one. Rahab, in Joshua chapter 2, in the private, secret places of her own heart, made a decision that I'm going to go with God when no one else does. We learned some things from her story about our own life. And and the thing I take away as I read this story over and over this week was she had to come to terms with the fact that I'm not here to live for other people. She answered a question that hadn't even been written yet in the Bible, but in Galatians chapter 1, it says this, For am I now seeking the approval of man, or am I seeking the approval of God? 
When you read scripture and it's a question like that, it's a great time to stop and say, is this talking to me? Am I now living for the approval of man or the approval of God? And it goes on to say this. If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. You see, Rahab didn't even know what was written yet. But something was taking place in the secret place of her heart to say, I can go with God or I can go with them. And right now I'm going with God. And the same choice and same decision that she had to make is the same choice and same decision we make when we give and when we pray and when we fast and we do anything righteous for the Lord. And so, there are some things this morning that I want to share with you that I believe can help change the way we see the world around us. First one is this. When it feels like no one sees you, you have to remember that God sees you. When it feels like no one notices you, you have to remember that God does. Why would I ever start there? Because there's got to be something about Rahab in this moment. You see, she lived in, in, in a, a pagan nation, and, and, and here she is not even knowing who God is. She's not a child of God, the people of Israel. And yet there's something inside of her that sees a God moving and working on the people of Israel's behalf, so much so that she can sense it. She's heard about it. She's heard it spread throughout. People come and talk, and they have stories, and they share what's going on. And there's something inside of her that says, maybe that God that does it for them could be the same God that does it for me. And so there's an inkling inside of her heart that allowed her to subvert the ways of culture that says, I'm here to impress. I'm here to please. I'm here to get their approval. Because she knew that there was a God on the other side who might care and take notice of her. And guess what he did? Because she was saved and pulled out of the land with the people of Israel, and everything changed for her right then and there. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus steps on the scene, and, and here's what he says. For your father who sees in secret. I love that line. You see, I've heard this passage a million times. Pray, 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 pray. Don't pray, pray. You should pray. But when you get to the end of that passage, it says your father sees in secret. Here's what I love about that. It means that God sees everything. He sees everything. And often that puts people on edge in a church. Oh, he sees everything? Like, you mean all the stuff I did last year? Like, oh, no. But if he sees everything, it doesn't just mean the bad stuff. It means the good stuff. It means the, the devotion of your heart when no one else is looking. It means in the times when you're going through storms and it feels like no one noticed. It means when you go home at the end of the day and it feels like even in your own home, nobody notices you. There's a God who sees you. In my life, I've seen my dad cry three or four times. First one was when I was baptized. The second one uh, was when I moved away to go to college. And the third one was the day that I got married. He's not a very emotional man, but he is connected with what God is doing and the moves and things that are happening within his family. And I'll never forget the first time I saw him cry. I got baptized at the age of nine at our church, and I, our baptismal, you know, you go to those Baptist churches, you know, and the baptismal's way up in the clouds, like, this, this baptism is holy, okay? I'm getting baptized with the angels. And so when I came down from on high, and I start walking down the aisle, and as I'm walking down the aisle, my dad meets me. And in the middle of the aisle of this really large church, he drops to his knees and he begins to cry. 
And he says, I am so proud of you. And in that moment, everything changed in me. See, I'd never seen my dad in that light, but I knew something. I was his son. I knew something. He was proud of me. I knew something, that if I kept this up, things were going to look different. When we realize something, that we are sons and daughters of God, we know that we're seen on the inside. And what happens is we move from an orphan spirit. You see, an orphan can do all the right things but have the wrong spirit. An orphan can do all the right things but be motivated by something that will never get fully satisfied. A son knows who he is. A daughter knows who she is. And so everything she does flows out of who she is. There's a difference you see, sometimes we get trapped in pleasing and, and, and trying to impress people in our life because we're trying to do for them. Realize, not realizing that when we just are with God, that stuff just comes out of us. Jesus understood a principle inside of these words that was this. He understood a truth that said, I know that if I correct their behavior, maybe things will change for a little while. But if I pour into their heart and their spirit and their soul and change them, something will happen from the inside out, and you're not going to be able to shake it off when the storms come. You're not going to be able to shake it off when the pressure gets applied. Jesus says these things that happen in secret actually reveal something to you. They reveal who you are. And when they reveal who you are, guess what? You change. Starts in private, knowing that you are a son or a daughter of God, that God sees you. Second thing is this. We're going to get to a place in our life where prayer and our time with the Lord and devotion steps it up to a new level. We're going to have to do something. We're going to have to pay less attention to what you do when everyone sees you and more attention to what you do when no one sees you. Pay less attention to what you do when everyone can see and more attention to what you do when no one sees. Jesus called it for what it is, a hypocrite. Hypocrites do things in public that they would never do in private. I'll, uh, you remember uh, having to practice for your sports team or band or something growing up? And I'll never forget, they used to, in band, they used to make you sign these practice cards that said that you would practice 120 minutes a week. Like, really? Come on. I'll never forget, though, I got an A every year. I signed, I practiced all 120 minutes every week of my high school career not. I didn't play a single minute. And what I didn't realize at the time was that's all great until you get asked to play for everyone else. So when the band instructor said, hey Clayton, will you play this line? And I could not f even fumble my way through it. He turned to me and he said, you didn't practice. Let me see your card. And the card is signed off that I had practiced. I, I realized something in that moment. What happens in private ultimately will come out in public. And Jesus knows that. That if you spend time in private with him, something's going to begin to happen in public. And so when you're looking for something different in your life, for a stronger character, for a stronger faith, for a greater sense of identity and purpose and fulfillment in life, can I tell you it starts when no one else is watching. Um... There's a uh, great clip here that I want to play for you, and it's of a guy named David Brown. And David Brown is a Paralympic athlete. He, he's a blind uh, sprinter, and he was the first blind sprinter to run 100 meters in under 11 seconds. 
okay? I don't know if some of us in this room could um, run 25 meters in 11 seconds. Um, so, but I want you to watch this clip because David Brown put in something when no one else was watching that totally, radically changed what happened when everyone else was. Check this out. David Brown, the reigning world champion, goes in lane three alongside Jerome Avery, former international sprinter for the United States. I ran with him our first practice. Coach immediately said, you're going to run with him after me. And, you know, the rest has been history. There you go. Drive, 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 drive. Stay in tight. Running with Jerome, I don't have to worry about going out too far. All I have to focus on is just listening to him. Get up. Nice. Arm action should be exact. We should be hitting the ground at the same time. This time, they're away. And Brown gets away very, very well in Can you see his run? We're like one person. It should look like one person running. That tracking side on camera is magic to watch because it just shows that they're running almost like one person. I love that clip. 11 seconds, 100 meters, completely blind. Here's what I think about. In our world, we can see a clip like that on social media, on the news, and we think, wow, that's amazing. And we think about the 11 seconds, but how often do we think about all the days of his life spent on the track learning how to do exactly what they were doing? You see, we see the 11 seconds and think, I want that. And so we try and imitate those things in our life, not realizing that the people who win in the arena, the people who win on the track, are the people who had the discipline to do something when no one else was watching. Jesus is saying to you, he's saying to me, that if in the secret, quiet, hidden places of your life you spend time with me, there will grow an intimacy that, that turns into something the world can see. There will be something that begins to take place inside of your heart in your life that is worth watching. People won't just give you an instant gratification like they will give you a follow with their life because they'll say there's something different about that guy. I watched him last year as they went through some financial hardships, yet there was something different about you. Let me ask you, can I ask you at work, what, what was different about you? How did you do that? To which you say, can I tell you a secret? Can I tell you a secret? That when the bank account ran dry, in the quiet of my own home with tears, I called out to the Father. They'll look at your life and they'll say, your kids, they just have a peace about them. And you're laughing. And you say, can I tell you a secret? They know the Lord because of the things that happened when no one else was watching. Your business, your family, your life, your success all hinges upon what happens in the secret, private place. And here's what I love about that clip. His name is Jerome. Jerome can see, and yet Jerome runs by David Brown every day in those practices. And you think about what they're actually doing, the discipline of learning how to run in sync. In, in that race, if the, the guide runs across the finish line before the sprinter, then they get disqualified. 
You should see the number of videos on YouTube of their fails and how many times they fall because they're literally tethered together. You see, there was an art of learning how to walk together, how to run together, how to sprint together. And they got to such a place. But did you notice who got the reward at the end? Did you see Jerome not hyping up himself, but hyping up David Brown? Holding the flag on his behalf, he cannot see the, the praise of the people in, in, the, in the arena. And yet Jerome hypes him up anyway. You see, to me, there's a guy who knows where your real reward comes from. Jesus is saying the same thing. If you do your actions before men in order to be seen by them, when you are seen by them, you will receive your reward. But if you do it as unto the Father, then it is from him you will receive your reward. I want to close with this verse in Colossians. Here's what it says. It says this, chapter 3, verse 23. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Can we pray this morning?